As someone who tracks the pharma and healthcare sector, I have watched the followers of Liver Doc swell steadily on Twitter. Liver Doc or Dr. Abby Phillips is a Kerala-based hepatologist and physician scientist who uses the platform to express his strong views against alternative medicines such as Ayurveda and homeopathy. His tweets often radical question our age-old beliefs about these medications. This has often sparked strong debates and counterviews. But last week the platform of argument moved from social media to the real court. And Liverdog's Twitter account having 187,000 followers was suspended on an order of the Bengaluru Civil Court. Himalaya Wellness Corporation, a leading herbal health and personal care company, has in its suit stated that Dr. Phillips made defamatory allegations against the company's products due to which it has lost substantial business. The company also claimed that the doctor is promoting products of other companies such as Sipla and Alkem. Interestingly, Himalaya's Lif52 has been one of the top selling drugs in India for treating liver disorder. In a video posted earlier in June, Dr. Phillips had questioned the claims made by Lif52 and stated that the drug's promotion is based on misrepresentation of science and misinterpretation of scientific data. While Himalaya is out there to protect its drug sales, Dr. Phillips with a suspended Twitter or X account is quite adamant on his stand against traditional medicines. We all used to think that you know herbal means it's on the side it's natural it's safe. How can you call this as science? It's not science that is a pseudoscience. 3000 crore rupees is allocated in the union budget for Ayush. There is money. There is a lot of money. What we believe in healthcare is traditionally and culturally indoctrinated there are doctors who misinform my practice is very closely connected to my social work my activism so there is no way that i'll back off from this ever but it is not black or white even as hashtag bring back liver doc trended on twitter the backers of age old traditional medicine have their arguments taking on the doc It's Friday, October 6th. From the Economic Times, I'm your host Kiran Somwanshi, and today in a special two-part episode, we bring you the drug debate allopathy versus alternates only on the morning brief. Hello Dr. Phillips, welcome to the morning brief. So to begin with, I would like to know how it all started. Like when did you realize that posting your case studies or patient studies will be something that will be helpful to people So the whole aspect of me working on complement and alternative medicines and the liver it started off in 2016 right after I came back from my super specialization course at New Delhi Institute of Liver and Biliary Sciences I wanted to work mostly on alcohol related liver disease because that is my area of interest but then as I started practicing I came across a group of patients who had jaundice and severe hepatitis without any identifiable cause. They were teetotalers. There were children. There were women. We run tests for viral hepatitis. We run tests for autoimmune liver disease. Everything was negative. So ultimately, what we did was to go back in retrospect and dive deeper into their clinical histories, and we figured out that 
there was this temporal correlation in these particular group of patients where they started off with herbal supplements of different varieties and a few days or a few weeks or a few months later they started developing this jaundice and hepatitis so that was like a first for even me at the time because i mean we all used to think that you know herbal means it's on the side it's natural it's safe people do take it it's been going on for a long time so we don't find any problems with that but there was this group of patients who were actually struggling because of severe hepatitis some of them developed liver failure some of them required liver transplantation some of them even died without a transplant so that was a time when i found out that you know these alternative medical systems and practices we had this huge numbers of patients where we without reasonable doubt proved that the liver disease was due to herbal supplements or complementary alternative medicines we published that including liver biopsies we retrieved these herbal formulations and other formulations from these patients we analyzed them some of them had very well known toxic herbs some of them had contaminants some of them were heavily adulterated so this we published in the indian journal of gastroenterology in 2017 2018 and in the academic circles it became such a big deal because this was the first publication which proved that ayurvedic formulations or homeopathic formulations can actually harm people within the academic circles doctors also started talking about it and doctors also started asking patients about you know if they were consuming any alternative formulations for simple cases of acute hepatitis and jaundice so this became a norm here but what was more important was that i was still getting a lot of patients coming in almost every week up to five or six new cases i used to see with herbal liver injuries so once you realized the problem how did you go about rectifying it so my whole approach to the situation changed because my doctors know about it we treat them we identify them but ultimately this was an avoidable disease burden for example if we tell people that you know don't go for untested unregulated products so that we can reduce the liver disease burden in such a situation because prevention is always better than cure going all out and doing damage control is not what real medicine is so once that started i found out that the value of social media so initially we used to you know through whatsapp messages and all we used to send small snippets and informations regarding how herbal medicines are actually harmful but we need a bigger stage in 2019 and this was towards the time when the pandemic was also starting now mid of 2019 i joined twitter and there i started voicing my concerns about this alternative and alternative medical practices and the harms that they're doing for public i was talking with evidence you know it was not like i was just shooting in the dark saying that you know this uh, is not good for you this is bad for you but i was showing evidence there do you recall any particular tweet that really resonated with the people i tweeted about this 14 year old girl who developed severe alcohol liver disease and she was a very smart school going girl when we did a biopsy on her liver because we could not figure out what was happening with her and the biopsy showed that she had severe alcoholic liver injury and everybody was so stunned she had a very peculiar kind of cirrhosis but on top of that she had alcoholic liver injury also lot of features of alcoholic liver injury and she is a 14 year old girl she is not taking any alcohol because it's impossible so i ultimately we figured out that you know she was taking all these herbal medications prescribed by a registered ayurvedic practitioner for control of seizures for over 4 to 5 years and those medications contained large amounts of alcohol those herbal medications and that is why she developed alcoholic liver injury and the peculiar form of cirrhosis was something known as non cirrhotic portal hypertension which is classically seen with arsenic poisoning and uh, this girl was getting chronically poisoned with arsenic from those herbal formulations that she was taking for her seizures so there was double insult on her liver and i tweeted about this and this became my most viral tweet at the time because people were stunned about you know something as 
innocuous as a herbal drug can actually cause alcoholic liver injury and then chronic arsenic poisoning and uh, i think that is the moment which broke my internet i have seen many people actually having you know polarized views about it there are people who will say oh yes this is really enlightening and there are people who will say that okay something that we have always done and it's a traditional medicine home remedy something that my grandmother has always asked me to how is it bad suddenly now so what is your reaction to all this i think a large part of what we believe in healthcare is traditionally and culturally indoctrinated in us you see i i am a doctor i have studied medicine all my life and the way i think is purely from a scientific perspective from an evidence point of view but let me just put my legs in a common in a layperson's shoes and i see that it's not easy for them to understand how the scientific method works let's take the example of dengue fever so it's dengue season everywhere and then people get infections and their platelet drops and you know people are scared and they go for all these home remedies taking papaya leaf juices eating papayas and things like that because that has been taught that has been indoctrinated generation after generation after generation they say that you know eating or drinking papaya leaf juice will increase your platelets they don't think twice on it right it's just handed down but then you actually look at what is happening in dengue fever every disease has a natural history so in dengue fever you'll have fever for like 3 to 4 days and from the fourth day onwards your platelets will drop your platelets will drop it's going to drop whatever you do and by the seventh or eighth day it is going to climb again and it will climb again whatever you do right so what happens is that people will start taking papaya leaves and what not during the third and fourth day when the platelets drop and when normally when the platelets have to rise on the seventh or eighth day they feel that the papaya leaf juice that they have consumed is actually helping that but normally it is supposed to rise on the seventh and eighth day so they have this confirmation biases in them that because i had that papaya leaf juice my platelets have increased that is because they don't know the background of how a disease progress or how a disease manifest and how it actually starts and ends and this happens with the large number of dengue patients because only a very small fraction of them actually develop something known as dengue hemorrhagic fever or dengue shock syndrome which is very serious and needs icu care and platelet transfusions and etc so if somebody actually has dengue shock syndrome or dengue hemorrhagic fever because of very low platelets papaya leaf will do nothing for them you have to take platelet infusions otherwise you are not going to survive so that is why when we talk about simple things that people have confirmation biases on because they have already decided that yes this is how it is it's not easy for them to break that because their grandmother has told them that your mother has told them that so there is a lot of emotion cultural traditional values around that thought what is your view on alternative medicines as such because it has been around even before modern medicine came so people sought it as a cure in some way or the other so it has a big huge history so what is your view as such for the curability or the you know efficacy of that science so there are two issues we need to discuss here one is that you know because it has been there since 2000 years and because modern medicine or scientific medicine is only 200 years old so this is the young fellow and that is the older wiser version of it this is actually wrong because alternative medicine is still called alternative medicine that if alternative medicine actually works it will be called as medicine only it will not be alternative right so we don't have alternative physics we don't have alternative chemistry we don't have alternative economics and all that we just have alternative medicine now alternative medicine survives because it's good business it's nothing to do with patient care if you look at any of the alternative medicine practices holistic wellness 
or your Ayurvedic wellness clinics or homeopathic clinics. I mean, in any of those practices, it just brings livelihood and business, but it does not actually cater to the healthcare of the people. That's why it is alternative. It is always the second. The reason why it still survives is because people, they love it for the experience of it. For example, somebody has a self-limiting disease and most of the cures that you actually note with alternative medicine is not because of alternative medicine. That's because of the self-limiting nature of the disease per se. So the problem is that people think that something that has happened in the past with them, which is 100% a self-limiting illness, because of some intervention that they have done from alternative medicine, they feel that that alternative medicine is going to be useful for many other things in a similar way, which is actually wrong. Now, everything that we know about alternative medicine, you take the, the whole aspect of Ayush. So that's, that's like ages old wisdom. That was done at a time when light bulb was not in, invented. There, it was a pre-scientific era. Homeopathy was written at a time when light bulb was not invented. People did not know about human anatomy and physiology. It's all observations. It's all primal thinking. And based on a lot of hit and trial methods they used to treat at the time. So the whole aspect of curing an illness with an alternative medicine is actually a myth. Because that illness, which is going to get cured, will get cured even without the alternative medicine. But you know... Like when you say that, you know, there would be people who would come up and say that we have got cured. And of course, you explained that, that it's because of the self-limiting aspect of the disease. But it's difficult for them to believe that what they got cured of is something because of self-limiting part. And isn't that the same logic with medical science? No, because somebody says that, you know, I got cured because of this, so this is good. It's actually a personal experience. It's an anecdote. So we don't believe in anecdotes. And if... 100 people say the same thing. It's still 100 anecdotes. It's still not evidence. So the plural of anecdotes is misinformation. It's not evidence. So what medical science does is, for example, imagine we have a disease and we have this particular intervention against that disease. So what we do is we put that intervention against that disease in a controlled environment. A controlled environment means that there are no other factors that is going to affect that disease process or the intervention. And then we have another group where the same controlled environment is there, but we don't intervene at all. Now we look at these two groups over a period of few months or few years, and we see how the disease behaves in the controlled behavior with or without the intervention. There are no biases in between. That is why we have the gold standard of randomized double-blind controlled trials to test efficacy and safety of medications in specific diseases. You don't actually see good randomized control trials in Ayurveda or homeopathy. And even if you see them in Ayurveda and homeopathy, they will most probably be a negative trial, not, not a positive trial. But what if we find a formulation in Ayurveda that is indeed helpful? Good that we find that it is helpful, but we need to also know why it is helpful and how it can harm in the long term and how we can actually figure out the right standardization for dosing, duration and everything in separate specific population like pregnant women or children or elderly. These kind of standardizations we can never do with these traditional medicines because they are too complex for us to simplify them. So here I would like to kind of make an observation that is it also because of lack of funding and resources that traditional medicine doesn't get its due and modern medicine because of the huge pharmaceutical industry which you know pumps so much of money for research and development is able to reap those benefits and you know traditional medicine suffers on that count? I'm, I'm very happy that you're asking me these questions because these are the strongest myths prevalent in the community, right? So the whole aspect is that there is nothing like alternative medicine industry is poor and modern medicine is richer. Absolutely not. I mean, look at India. 
3000 crore rupees is allocated for in the union budget for ayush i mean this has been happening for last what 9 10 years there is money there is a lot of money and what people call as big pharma is actually not modern medicine pharmaceutical industry it is actually alternative medicine industry because they are reaping benefits without showing any effectiveness or safety and they have lot of money i mean look at all the uh, corporates that come behind truth tellers they they have huge money to shut people down it's not like they don't have funding they have immense funding they have huge money in them because if they utilize that money and start testing their products and they see that they fail they can't uh, sell those things anymore classical example is uh, turmeric or curcumin one of the most well studied maximum studied thousands of studies on it since last many many decades and not a single disease condition it is useful for just imagine the, the amount that is being wasted on studying turmeric and curcumin for its whatever benefits they think is in arthritis or inflammatory bowel disease or immunity improvement or what what not i mean it's there you you look at anything in turmeric there is a study on it you know in cancers in cold in cough in everything but it doesn't work in anything so that is the reason why they don't want to actually spend money studying because a lot of these uh, alternative medicine practices will bring out only negative outcomes and they know it quite radical thing in the sense it it questions the basic beliefs that we all have like you know moment you talked about turmeric i was thinking that every day i put turmeric in my food like in our food that we have because you know the sense is that it's antifactive antibacterial so i'm i'm questioning now that should i tomorrow put turmeric or not in the food this is something i would like to again clear here putting turmeric in the food is the perfect role for turmeric you know we want flavor we want color for our food and turmeric is made to do that but don't think of it as a medicine it's a spice in the kitchen that we can flavor and color our curries with so turmeric in curries and not in capsules because the amount of turmeric that you're eating daily in your diet or the amount of turmeric that you put in your milk and drink in the morning as haldi do that turmeric is not absorbed in the body so if you look at the data from the west and i'm sure it'll soon come up in india and other parts of south asia also we can actually see that one of the commonest causes for severe liver injury in the west one of the upcoming causes is turmeric because they are using highly absorbable formulations of turmeric supplements it's not actually giving them any benefit but it's on the other hand it is causing them harm what about the criticism or you know allegations which people you know make against your tweets and that you represent the big pharma lobby how do you respond to that so i mean i mean these are just like trolled responses right i mean so when when you don't have any rational or reasonable uh, criticism to or rebuttal to my statements what do you do you cook up conspiracy theories so all this big pharma uh, funding uh, agent of the big pharma these are age old decades old uh, conspiracy theories that uh, the alternative medicine industry or practitioners or uh, sympathizers or apologists of alternative medicine industry bring as a as a troll response i just call it as a troll response because i mean it's 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 illogical so i i just shrug it off sometimes i fight but then i reduce my fighting on twitter uh, to quite a bit extend now but i've also seen the modern medicine practitioners also having reservations about your views how do you deal with that if i look at myself maybe like 8 or 9 years back now i i would also maybe argue about a lot of things that people argue with me about now for example if you look at a lot of these practitioners they are not well informed a lot of doctors are not well read 
they are happy with their private practice it's like a 9 to 5 job it's like it's like office hours but a doctor actually works 24/7 maybe not for the patient but at least in his mind i make it kind of mandatory that i have to read at least an hour a day about whatever is happening the new articles the new journals whatever i mean i mean in my practice in hepatology so i keep myself updated so that i don't remain dogmatic when it comes to medical practice and i always want what is best for my patients at the time so most of the doctors who uh, argue with me they lack the scientific temperament that i want of them because if they did have that scientific temperament and the well informed knowledge regarding what medical sciences and how medical science is progressing they would never make that argument plus most of these doctors i remember there was this ophthalmologist who was very worked up with me on twitter all the time i mean i put something his was the first comment he was very very triggered about everything that i put about ayurveda so i was wondering what is wrong with this guy you know he's an ophthalmologist i mean he's trained well in science and he's doing actual ophthalmology practice and i found out that his father and grandfather were actually ayurveda practitioners and they come from a traditional ayurveda family and they were ayurvedic ophthalmologists and now this guy is the scientific ophthalmologist but he cannot shed that part out so i think there are a lot of emotional or cultural or traditional baggages that doctors carry which clouds their mind when it comes to actual scientific discourses and that is why they fight with me all the time but and do you think it is fair on your part to call it like bluntly pseudoscience or you know wouldn't it ruffle with feathers like you know it's it is what it is i did not coin that term it's an actual definition which means that the principles and practice are not based on scientific reasoning or rationale you cannot test it you cannot validate it you cannot replicate it this is pseudoscience and why because if you look at homeopathy i mean you take the example of homeopathy look at the principles of homeopathy it says like cures like i mean for example something that causes fever in me i can use the same thing to reduce fever in me i mean does it sound uh, logical to you like cures like impossible it cannot work that way right the second principle is that if you dilute a substance so much that there is nothing left in it that actually becomes more effective it's absurd right so how can you call this as science it's not science that is a pseudoscience siddha is a pseudoscience naturopathy is a pseudoscience homeopathy is a pseudoscience that is why they are alternative medicine and not real medicine yeah but like you know i'm just playing the devil's advocate in the sense that if if something doesn't conform to the scientific ways of things it is not existing or it is not good how fair is is that so this is where uh, we we have this religious approach to uh, pseudoscience right so i'm going to say that uh, there is uh, there is no god so somebody is telling me no there is god so i'll tell the person please prove where is he or where is she he'll say that just because you, uh, we cannot prove it that doesn't mean does not god does not exist at some point we will figure it out that is not reasonable or rational the right way is to do it scientifically because what we can do is we'll have objective evidence not only subjective evidence we want objective evidence to whatever we practice or uh, you know treat our patients with right so uh, people will say that you know my science is not uh, your science that is what ayurveda practitioners tell me you know i think that's the most hilarious take on uh, pseudoscience ever my science and your science there is nothing like that science here is the same as science in uk in the us in africa medications here are the same everywhere diseases all over the world are same everywhere and we treat all diseases the same way so when you somebody says that it is this way is not the right way the other way is not the right way i, I think that is just a way to distract us from the real context of the conversation 
coming to the fact that you know medical science has in the past we see that has not always been able to satisfy the patient's needs so that also possibly turns them to alternative medications and also accessibility and affordability so not everybody gets it and so that's why also people rely on what they can nature and stuff like that what do you think about it i think these are very two important points the first is known as god of gaps fallacy so because medical science has not figured out few things that so there is a gap there right that does not mean that gap can be filled by pseudoscience it doesn't mean that so just because there is no actual or performable intervention or effective intervention not yet identified doesn't mean that place should be owned by a pseudo scientific practice this is the god of gaps fallacy the ideal thing would be to understand that medical science is evolving scientific medicine is not absolutist in the sense that we don't say that yes this is the treatment for this disease condition and that's it no the treatment will change and it will keep changing and the better options that we develop in the future we will embrace that and we will leave the old ones out so that does not give pseudo science the license to practice in such populations so when somebody says that you know we don't have actual good doctors in this place so that is why we go to these quacks that that is not right because i think we have to make sure that such things are taken care of from a regulatory level those things don't make medical science bad it just makes the regulatory framework look bad accessibility is not medical science's job that is somebody else's job medical science is there and it works for people to access it it has to be from the regulatory framework I've also seen your tweets uh, you know where you have been critical about bodies like WHO or even government of India where they have looked at integrating traditional medicine with the modern medicine wouldn't you welcome such a move where you know they are trying to integrate and bring the traditional science at par or some way in collaboration with the modern medicine no a simple answer to that is if if we mix apple juice with urine the urine does not get better but the apple juice gets worse so that is basically integrative medicine so you are mixing something that works with something that does not work or you have no clue how it works and giving credit to the whole system it is just lying it is deceiving it's not like integrative medicine is something new it has been there since very long and there are a lot of studies on it and if you look at the high quality studies that look at systematic reviews and meta analysis of integrative medicine interventions in especially in cancer patients you can see that integrative medicine has never improved the outcomes in specific patient groups better than conventional but one thing it has done is it has increased the costs the financial burden has increased because you are integrating something for example i have a cough and cold and i go to a an integrative opd and there is a mbbs guy sitting there and there is an ayurveda guy sitting there so the mbbs guy will uh, give me a, a paracetamol a cetirizine for my cough and a cough syrup and then the ayurveda guy will give me which is okay i mean those three medicines are fine for me because it'll take care of my cough my runny nose and my fever but then the ayurveda guy will also give me uh, two other herbal medications and one kashaya or whatever so i have six medicines now with me for my cough cold and fever now i have spent more money for the same effect so that is what integrative medicine does to some extent it just burdens you with more investigations and burdens you with more costs for the same outcome that you can actually get with conventional medicine so i don't think mixing something that doesn't work with something that works is being truthful to the public health because it is complete level of deception for public health again uh, you know just not medicines you have also commented on yoga what about that i speak completely from a scientific perspective which people 
misinterpret and that come with me i can't help it uh, especially yoga so uh, i mean i have read the patanjali sutras and uh, i know about the newer types of yoga also the hatha yoga the vinayasa yoga and all those stuff i mean i have read about it now i when i look at the practice i look at the principles of this practice so that is what defines the practice right the principles so if you look at yoga yoga is not just the stretches you know there are a lot of components to it there is mindfulness to it there is a there is a divine aspect to it you know there are lots of things to it that classical yoga so in that sense when you look at yoga the yoga practice itself is actually pseudo scientific the classical yoga is pseudo scientific because it's not just stretching and asanas it's a lot of other things philosophical and divine and everything which we cannot explain through science and reasoning so that is why i say yoga is a pseudo science and classical yoga is not an aerobic exercise so for you to actually burn calories and bring your heart rate up you have to have aerobic component to it and that is where yoga actually fails the classical yoga so people when they say that no we are doing yoga and uh, uh, our heart rate is going up to 200 and all what are you saying that's because they are actually not doing classical yoga they are actually doing modified forms of yoga where you do um, 100 surya namaskars in uh, 20 minutes and all obviously your heart rate will go up so but that is not the way it is written in the actual classical text and you have these uh, power yogas and all that newer forms of yogas which are very rigorous so that makes it aerobic when i speak about yoga i speak only about classical yoga i'm not talking about other yogas because the western crowd has actually mutated it in different forms and that is not the yoga that i know about coming to this whole legal thing uh, obviously the matter is subjudice so you may not want to comment on that but generally what has been the legal repercussions that we have faced in the past for your views and for your observations so i mean a beautiful article just came out with the title the liver dogs haters i think everybody should read that it's a fantastic article it actually tells everyone how all the harassments have gone through since 2016 and it's quite a bit so i have had from mental harassments to financial harassments to physical harassments and threats and everything i've gone the whole nine yards see the whole aspect is harassments do come because i am actually questioning dogmas i am trying to make people think out of the box and obviously it's not easy to break that barrier and also a lot of what i do impacts practitioners directly or indirectly but i care about the patients and the general public so i keep doing it ultimately the kind of harassments that i faced is one i have faced legal harassment legal threats i have faced my lab partners where we check all these medications for contaminants my lab partners were actually physically heckled and threatened by a group of homeopaths who came all the way from north kerala just to do that in a in a vehicle so i had to shut that lab down and then i had to move on to a new lab which currently remains anonymous because i don't want any trouble for them also and the third thing is you know litigations like this where they go for lawsuits and you know you basically they make you lose time and money ultimately it's not not that they want to win they just want to make you suffer the the process you know the process is the punishment that is exactly what is happening now this current lawsuit that i am defending from himalaya it's making me lose a lot of my time with my patients it's making me lose my sleep it has made me cancel out a lot of my commitments from a scientific speaking point of view a lot of my teaching commitments everything had to be halted because i had to spend continuous three nights filing a rebuttal for this so uh, this is this is the punishment you know this is what they want ultimately they don't care if they win or lose but they just want to put you through that grinder and when other doctors see this they'll just keep quiet you know they will not be vocal like me so that is what they want from it so i think people should come up more and more so that these kind of lawsuits and harassments and all will at some point will 
reduce and then we can actually maintain some level of scientific temperament and integrity within our public healthcare system no it's interesting what you said like i i'm just curious to that what will keep you going like will it dissuade you you know how you see the future uh, i don't think i'll ever get dissuaded because my practice is very closely connected to my social work my my activism because every day in my opd i see patients struggling with a wrong uh, or patients getting harmed because of misinformation or disinformation patients getting harmed because of an alternative medical practice and patients getting delayed treatment and landing up in worse situations where they are financially drained because they were misinformed in a particular healthcare point of view so when i stop seeing that maybe i'll stop right ultimately people and patients are what centers our world my world is around them so there is no way that i'll back off from this ever and i think more and more people should definitely i mean doctors should come up and take this over so that we get a better deal for our patients and their families in the future but have you had your friends and family telling you that maybe you shouldn't have been so blunt maybe you shouldn't have posted so much or maybe you shouldn't have taken on these people yeah i mean uh, from different perspectives yes i i get served the conduct and character certificates almost every day on twitter unsolicited and i get that even off twitter and uh, i mean initially when i started off with this particular science communication from healthcare point of view and when i started receiving notices from the ayush ministry i started receiving notices from the medical council obviously my parents my family they get flustered because they're like what is this guy doing this is like a thankless job and uh, it's it's just costing him more you know i am i spend my money over the years checking and analyzing herbal products i spend my money fighting these guys i i spend money for uh, legal battles and it's sort of draining out for me right so what am i gaining from it so there was a point where they had this cognitive dissonance with what i was doing they were like you know i'm on a auto destruct path but now they realize that it is not so because i i think uh, you burn bright for others to see what is around and that is exactly what i want to do talking about money i just remembered one thing you had mentioned in one of the posts that some research that you were doing on uh, this herbal science you're going to discontinue it because of lack of funding is it is it so or did you get supporters to fund it so i think i'll definitely get supporters if i want to continue that but ultimately what has happened is since last 5 to 6 years we've been i mean i've been paying out of from my own pocket and from even my company's pocket mostly from my own personal space i've been spending a lot on checking these uh, products that i retrieve from my patients and as with every good thing this also had to come to an end because it's not sustainable in the long term because you know i have my emis to pay i have my children's education they are all in school and uh, things must move on in that direction also so that is why we stopped and at some point if we do want to revive this uh, movement i'm de- i'll definitely look at crowdfunding because i'm sure people will help and they would want like to know so here we have a practitioner of modern medicine that believes in the word of science like a gospel and nothing else he dismisses traditional medicine since it is not backed by scientific methods of trials tests and evidence but this discussion is not complete unless we have a counter view from a voice of authority representing traditional medicine this is a cooked up kind of evidence i am the one who made a rebuttal about that uh, article and it got published the same journal where he published that hepatology i don't say even today that everything in ayurveda is sacro science there can be distortions in any science when it is practiced akbar says very clearly 
ಯುಗಾನಿರೂಪ ಸಂದರ್ಭೋ ವಿಭಾಗೇನ ಕಲಿತಿದ್ದಿ ದರ್ ಇಸ್ ಎ ಪ್ಯಾರಾಡೈಮ್ ಶಿಫ್ಟ್ ನೀಡರ್ ಇಫ್ ಯು ವಾಂಟ್ ಟು ಅಂಡರ್ಸ್ಟ್ಯಾಂಡ್ ಆಯುರ್ವೇದ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಐ ಆಮ್ ಎ ಸಕ್ಸಸ್ಫುಲ್ ಪ್ರಾಕ್ಟೀಷನ್ ಬಿಕಾಸ್ ಪೀಪಲ್ ಆರ್ ಗೆಟಿಂಗ್ ಬೆನಿಫಿಟ್ ಈವನ್ ಟುಡೇ ದ ಬಡ್ಜೆಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಆಯುಷ್ ಮಿನಿಸ್ಟ್ರಿ ಇಸ್ ಲೆಸ್ಸರ್ ದ್ಯಾನ್ ದ ಆ್ಯನ್ಯುವಲ್ ಬಡ್ಜೆಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಬರ್ನ್ ಇನ್ಸ್ಟಿಟ್ಯೂಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಅಲೋಪದಿ ಆಲ್ ಇಂಡಿಯಾ ಇಟ್ಸ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ಮೆಡಿಕಲ್ ಸೈನ್ಸ್ ಸೊ ವಾಟ್ ಅವರ್ ಹಿಮಾಲಯ ಡನ್ ಇಸ್ ಎ ಗುಡ್ ಥಿಂಗ್ ಐ ಕಂಗ್ರಾಚುಲೇಟ್ ದಮ್ ಫಾರ್ ದ್ಯಾಟ್ That's Dr. G.G. Gangadharan, the founder-director of Ramaya Indic Specialty Ayurveda Hospital in Bangalore. I speak to Dr. Gangadharan in the second part of this episode where he takes on most of the observations of Dr. Phillips. You don't want to miss it. <laughs>